Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me today, of course, all the way from Batu, is uh, Will, a.k.a. Darth Tuba. How are you today, sir? Bright suns, I'm doing great. Or I should say rising moons, it's evening now. So. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Thank you. Thank you for once again having me on. It's this is this is an awesome. Uh, or I guess we're 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 broadcasting from a new format, right? We have. Uh, yeah, it's what we've used in the past. Oh, we have used this. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, someone just said that they are outside Epcot right now. Oh, awesome. Okay, uh, cool. Cool. I'm not seeing anybody's chat. Oh wait, wait, wait. If I hit chat, maybe I. Yeah, it'd be comment. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll see if I can. All right. That's fine. You, you'll, right. Have, you'll have to be the monitor for the chat for now. That's that's fine. I can do that. I can do that. Oh, they're at the, at uh, Beach Club. Oh, Beach Club. Very good. My nice. We're, we're BBC members, and Beach Club is our actual home resort, which we're really glad we got into because it's a, it's a phenomenal. It's a phenomenal hotel uh, resort. It's mm-hmm. one from both Epcot and Hollywood Studios, and it's fantastic. So nice. Well, and it's kind of uh, fortuitous that you are down in that area because today we are going to be talking about the history, the long history between Disney and uh, Star Wars, and this is a relationship goes far beyond just the buying of Disney back in, was it 2012 or 2014? Well, 2012, and I think it was relative, it's either that right at the end of the year or beginning of 2013, somewhere around there. But yeah. yeah, it goes yeah. way back. And, you know, I've been collecting some data about it, and I'm so excited to, you know, to talk about Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, this is something that you are a little bit more close to. You go, you go down to... Uh, that area, I know quite a bit. Um, so you know a little bit more about that and kind of the relationship. And but like I said, this goes back to the '90s um, with Star Tours. Well, yep. And actually, I can actually provide you with some uh, some areas where it actually goes earlier than that. Oh um, wow! I'll, but I will call them honorable. Uh, some of these are what I would call honorable mentions. Okay, but let's talk about these first. If you want to talk about the very first Disney Star Wars crossover, let's crossover. Um, the first one you would have to talk about, and again, you can get a lot of this information if you, uh, I, for our listeners out there, if you have Disney Plus, watch the series Behind the Attraction. Mm-hmm. Great series that talks about different types of Disney attractions, but one of them that is a real key one that Star Wars fans will appreciate is the history of Star Tours. And mm. it talks, which we'll get to in a little bit. But from there, I got, I, I gathered that some, inf- some very interesting information that Disneyland opened on July 17th, 1955. Right. And I believe July 18th, 1955, when it was open to the public, there was a very young, very impressionable George Lucas that was in attendance. So I call that 
as an honorable mention, the first crossover between Disney and Star Wars. And you can just imagine this idea of the creator of Star Wars as a young man attending this amazing theme park, this immersive theme park. And, you know, he's always been a Disney fan, but here he was seeing stories come to life and that kind of thing. You can imagine the kind of had on him. So I wanted to put that right out there in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, right from the very beginning, you know, and it just makes sense that someone that, like George Lucas, that was such an imagination and such, um, you know, such a mind and, you know, had all these ideas would be influenced by Walt Disney himself. Um, right. You know, I think just in the way that filmmakers today are influenced by George Lucas, I think it's it's easy to see how filmmakers of that era would have been influenced by by Disney. You know, just such an imagination, such um, a vision for, you know, everything. A uh, quick shout out uh, to say hi to Alan from Ple- Press A Streaming Studios, part of the Red 5 family, which we are proud to be a member of. That's right. Uh, just check out hashtag Red 5 family and Red 5 network for, for more information. We are really proud to be a part of this. So uh, going forward now, where is the next kind of evolution in this kind of relationship between Disney and Star Wars? Okay, well, next thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, where when George Lucas first created Star Wars, um, Mm -hmm. he was, he was, you know, chopping around for a film studio to take, you know, trust him to put this thing together. Mm -hmm. And I, believe although i don't have um the factual information at my fingertips i do believe that one of the film houses he went to was disney to try to get them to help um you know market and and release this picture and they did not do that but when when the film came out and was of course a huge success a lot of people in the industry he's quoted george lucas is quoting quoted and saying in interviews that a lot of people reacted saying my god why didn't disney do this this was this should have been this is a mid movie disney made as what a lot of what disney's best meaning disney the person walt disney's best work was um, and walt or sorry disney studios they tried to answer to that by creating their own new star wars type film by releasing in 1979 the black hole which um, if you've ever seen it it's got a great nostalgic uh, feel to it. Uh, certainly, uh, things about it that uh, you know that have kind of lasted in pop culture, like some of the some of the robots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it was no Star Wars, and and yeah, it has become kind of like a a joke about that. That you know, so many different movie houses tried to make their own Star Wars, you know, in the late seventies, mm. early, and it never really came to be. Yeah, but I did. And I thought it was a good another um, honorable mention that Disney made their own attempt, and it didn't didn't happen. And then the last attempt, the last thing, last honorable mention I want to bring is again something you can find on Disney Plus. If uh, are there any puppet fans out in the world, um, there is a very probably one of the most sought after and viewed Muppet shows. Find clips of it on YouTube, and now finally they've released it on Disney Plus. 
was the I don't have the exact dates, but it was it was in the night early 1980. I think it was around March of 1980, and it was a Muppet show, which was like a variety show featuring all the right. Muppets, a guest star. And this episode, the guest star, the stars of Star Wars, included Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, uh, Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew, C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, and the droid R2-D2. And there were, you know, they were guests on the show. Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker wore his Bespin fatigues before the movie came out. So for many, that was the first time. It was almost a teaser. Um, and it was fun. Of course, it was they were goofy and silly and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that. In fact, that could be a whole other about that particular show. Yeah. One thing I did want to point out is at the very end of the show, if you've never seen the episode, at the very end, you know, they're they're actually having this little story, and all the Muppets are dressed as Star Wars characters, along with the Star Wars characters, Mark Hamill's, Mark Hamill's, uh, Skywalker, Anthony Daniels. They're all out there, and then because it's the Muppets and it's silly and zany, they break into a song and dance. Uh, of they, course. Or at the end, and the number is when you wish upon a star. All right, like Star Wars, when you wish upon a star. And at the very end, there a big a big castle comes up at the end. Clearly, they're channeling Disney because yeah. when, you, when you wish upon a star, that's Disney. So mm-hmm. with that, you want to talk about the greatest example of foreshadowing that the Muppet <laughs> had Star Wars characters on the show. Playing a Disney song, and Disney went after three decades by not only the Muppets, but Lucasfilm as well. So yeah, just just an interesting, um, fun little uh, yeah. foreshadowing. But to really talk about the the first major Disney Star Wars tie-in that everyone pretty much knows about, you got to talk about Star Tours. Mm-hmm. This is the ride that was created. Um, I I will say this. Um, it was essentially I I've not heard other people say this, but I give Disney the company the credit holding the torch for Disney. Uh, I'm sorry, hold, uh, holding the torch for the Star Wars brand when no one else would touch it. You know, mm-hmm. once that Return of the Jedi in 1883, the droid Ewok cartoons in 80. 80- with the Ewok movies in 84, the George Ewok cartoon in 85, 86. That was it. From from 1987 to about not until really 1990, if you count the books, some of the some of the expanded universe books came out around 91, but really we didn't start seeing a lot of drummed up interest until 94, 95. The only thing that was out there was Star Tours. It, it came out in 1987. It opened January 9th in Disneyland, replacing uh, the Adventures Through Inner Space ride came mm-hmm. out later. You know, subsequent parks, Hollywood Studios in '89, Disneyland Paris in '92. Uh, it just, it, you know, just kind of Tokyo Disneyland also in '89. And it was a for those who have not been, I'm sure most people who are Star Wars fans probably know it. But it essentially, it, it, the way they moved the story along was that they created a essentially a travel agency, a travel. Uh, Think of it like a spaceport, and called Star Tours, and they would do they would run these little starship, you know, excursions to all the different planets, and you were going on the way the story works is you go on a trip to Endor, and mm-hmm. but that's but you'd load on you know it's just like going to an airport. There was a safety video at the beginning, just like you have on an airplane. You get on the you know you get on the the 
get on uh, Star Speeder 3000. You have a pilot, a droid named Rex, who it's his first flight. And in typical Disney fashion, what could go wrong? And of course, everything goes wrong. And they're going to Endor. They end up passing Endor. They run into comets. They run into the Empire. They end up doing the trench run on the Death Star. And it's just, and you know, and you're in this motion simulator vehicle, one that was used by, you know, Air Force, U.S. Air Force. And it was, for the time, very, very, uh, you know, um, state of the art. And you, it was an incredible experience. And they, and the, uh, it was something that was very popular when it came out. But it was it. That was Star Wars. That was your only new type of Star Wars experience. Mm-hmm. And it, Exited to a gift shop, and then from a collector standpoint, that was the only place you could find <coughs> stuff like posters, postcards and T-shirts, and sometimes little little figures and stuff. So, I give Disney all the credit for keeping the interest in Star Wars alive until you know we started getting more drummed-up interest from elsewhere. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you remember? what your initial thought was when you heard that Lucas had sold, uh, sold Lucas, sold Lucasfilm. Cause remember it wasn't just star Wars. He sold all of Lucasfilm. Um, I, my reaction was a, a, an absolute joy and, and, and yeah. overwhelmed excitement because um, well, you know, taking a step, taking a step back to talk about star tours for a minute. It had, um, the original intent of Star Tours was to uh, update every few years, you know, with mm-hmm. the idea, you know, maybe do another adventure, you know, then it would just film it and you would do it. But of course, then that, that came, that became too um, cost prohibitive to do that because it, it yeah. took money to be able to film that kind of a film. So that became a lot you know, more challenging until the technology caught up where they could do that. So, you know, fast forward to um uh 2011 uh 5 2011 and they and then they created star tours the adventures continue which was this cycling of like you know something of long at the time it opened i think there were six different planets you could go to six different openings six different holographic messages so there were 54 combinations or some crazy number so you never rode the same ride twice Hmm. that was a lot of fun and then on top of that they finally achieved what they wanted originally where when force awakens came out there were now they put a force awakens type of ride on there that you know to, to kind of fast forward a little bit they added uh when rise of skywalker last jedi they kept adding new uh, scenes and and it, and it was a you know kind of a luck of the draw as to which scenes you would get so yeah. you know they they kept they kept the interest going with that mm-hmm. um but you know, there's a lot more to talk about before we continue on with oh, Disney. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, um, Disney did a really big when they closed Star Tours to renovate. They did a big uh, last tour of Endor, big you know, a private event, a party you know, go in, in in conjunction with Star Wars Celebration that took down down there in 2010. There was fireworks. There was merchandise. There were characters walking around. Star Wars characters. Um, they did a really cool and Star Wars Indiana Jones mashup uh, from their stunt show. They did like a Star Wars stunt show with Indiana Jones. It was hysterical. But another big thing that Disney did even before the talking about the buyout was Star Wars Weekend. 
Yes. Did you ever attend one of those, John? I I have honestly, I was only been to uh, Disney World once, and that was years ago. I believe it was Donald's fiftieth birthday. Oh wow! Um, so <laughs> this was year. This was I was I was a kid. Okay, uh, I was probably about ten years old. So, well, what they did, um, Star Wars Weekends was a festival, uh, basically a weekend festival that was held at Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park, Walt Disney World Resort, uh, and included. Park admission. Uh, the event typically occurred Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for four consecutive weekends in June. Um, and, it, and it featured, it was basically like a mini convention. Yeah, mm-hmm. appearances by cast and crew members of, Dis- of the Disney Star Wars franchise. Many, uh, they also had many Disney characters like Mickey, Goofy, Dog, Daisy, and, and uh, many that were dressed as characters. Like Mickey was dressed as a Jedi, Don was dressed as a Stormtrooper. And it was really cool. It started in 1997, and then it kind of went on and off. It was, I think, they did it in 2000, 2001, around there, and then from 2003 to 2015, it ran every spring, early summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, I was lucky enough to get one. Uh, that time was hard for teachers to down here, but yeah. I did once to do it, and I'm so glad I did. Um, they had a bunch of party events. They had a bunch of special events. Imagine going to a convention like a celebration Star Wars. But it was small. You know, they had maybe like three or four um, little exhibits and, and uh, exhibitions going on. And they had a parade that, you know, that would feature all the different people that guests that every weekend would be different guests. Sometimes Anthony Daniels hosted it, Warwick Davis hosted it, uh, James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi Wan Kenobi on the Clone Wars, he hosted it. So it was a really cool event. And, and, and for that, for that the, those weekend days, Hollywood Studios was essentially a Star Wars theme park until 2015 when it was discontinued after they announced that. So, um, you know, that was a big, big thing. You know, that was yeah. those weekends. You know, that again kept Star Wars going. And this was before Disney bought Lucasfilm. This is yeah. Star- we're not even, we haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, but I guess at this point, you know, we're, you know, when we're talking about these things, I'm trying to think if there was they. You know, another thing that they did was the Jedi Training Academy, mm-hmm. something where for kids, uh, they would uh, kids would sign up and could go to a specific specific area in the parks. This happened in both East Coast, West Coast, and uh, you would have Jedi that would train you to, uh, you know, with a simple lightsaber, and then they, uh, Darth Vader would come out. Or Darth Maul, or later on Kylo Ren. Yeah, and you would each kid would line up and do a quick sparring with. And that uh, actually led to one of my favorite videos. I don't know if you've seen that. The little girl when she has to fight Vader, the first thing she does is get to her knee, is drop to her knees. I'm just like, <laughs> of course, yes. Got to give it up for the for the Jedi. He kept cool. and he was like, okay, Sith Training Academy is down that, that way. way. Yes, I remember that. I was like, first thing I thought was that would be my daughter. I would be like, yes, good. The and, dark side. And it's funny because, you know, I, I done it and we, I, my daughter says she did it. I can't remember if she, I can't remember her doing it. I remember mm-hmm. wanted to do it. I think like she, what, what they used to do is you would line up and they would just pick kids out of a, of the crowd and she didn't get picked. So what are you going to do? But then yeah. later on, you could sign up for it. And you could just go in the beginning of the day and you go sign up and they would just give you a 
I would come back. So every kid then got to do it. Yeah. Um, by then she had lost interest and, and he can't, and adults can't do it, which I understand. Oh, why. darn it. I'll have to go one-on-one -on -one with Vader. I know. Get in line, right? Either that or, you know, ask to be his apprentice, you know, yeah. get dropped to my knees and go, what is thy bidding, my master? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, I mean, people would want to do it. Some other cool things that happened around this time, though. I mean, in this little window of time in the, er, in the 2000s to 2012, 2011, 2012, before the purchase, um, they had, well, the Disney Cruise Line started doing this thing called um, Star Wars Day at Sea. And they also have a Marvel Day at Sea, and they have these special specialty cruises that will happen sometime during the year. So usually a one-off. It only happens one time. And uh, the, the idea about it is that you go, and you're on the cruise. And you know, normally the cruise would be a four-night cruise, maybe a three-night cruise. And they would have Star Wars characters one day. It wouldn't happen the whole cruise. It would just be one day of the cruise. They, the whole cruise, would tra the ship would transform into a Star Wars ship. And there would be characters everywhere, and there would be fireworks at night. There were Star Wars themes to Star Wars music, and there would be all these different adventures. And you know, it was um, it was really a lot of fun. I've, I've never got a chance to do that. They still offer it, but I've never gotten a chance to do that just because it happens at odd times during the year. Yeah. But you know, they would show the movies. All you know, they would all the movies that were released. You know, Disney owns one cool thing. If you've ever been on a Disney cruise line, and this cool thing about it is that Disney owns first you know they own the crew line so they can put first run movies on the movie theater so when you're in a movie when you're sitting there and you're going to date star wars day and see they'll show every star wars movie that they have oh wow and so it's a lot of fun um and then uh they also did this thing uh with disneyland i'm not sure when this happened but they they call it hyperspace mountain mm. where they actually took space mountain the roller coaster indoor roller coaster ride and they put a Star Wars soundtrack in it and put actual images of TIE fighters and X-Wings fighting. So you'd be flying through this thing with that happening. And it was pretty incredible. Um, so there was a lot going on that, you know, where Disney was trying to capitalize on the Star Wars brand before this purchase took place. Mm. Then came the announcement, as you were. Yes. Saying. Yes. And, and that. I think October of 2012. I believe so, yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but it wasn't, it was in one sentence, the announcement was Disney to purchase Lucasfilm, Star Wars characters, and announces episodes seven, eight, and nine, and all original characters, actors are returning. It was like mm. all big press release. Yeah. And that was like the heading. So every, you know, yeah. you, my reaction was, oh, my God, this is incredible. I mean, I'm so excited. So I was I was pretty pumped. What about you? And, yeah, I mean, I remember the I remember two things. I remember reading that and it just even though I, I didn't really know all what you just described as this kind of history. I didn't really know all of that. A lot of that, but I knew a lot, but I knew some of it. But I remember it just made sense that, oh, yeah, Disney's buying it. Yeah. I mean, that just to me, it's just like, who else? Who else would buy? Um, I remember some people were worried. I remember talking, you know, talk, having, having conversations on 
on here that some people being worried that it would be too Disney-fied, that it would become too Mickey Mouse. And I always said the same thing. I said, look at Marvel. I said, exactly. exactly. Look at Marvel. They, they, and for good or for worse, Disney is a company, is a business that wants to make money. That is their main goal as a business. And just like Marvel allows them to make money, Star Wars allows them to make money. I mean, and they were smart because, I mean, like we've said this before, it wasn't just Star Wars that they bought. They bought Lucasfilm. Right. So they bought everything that has to, you know, any of the iterations or things that have, you know, pr produced by Lucasfilm, right. Indiana Jones. Yeah. And yeah. with Willow, you know, which, you know, oh, yeah. which we kind of revitalized now. So th mm -hmm. there was a lot of that. And, and I, definitely see um, I say exactly the same reaction that you had when people said well I don't want them to Disney Mickey Mouse everything I don't think well first of all let me tell you something interesting that happened um, as I mentioned in the Star Wars weekends they had uh, Jedi Mickey you know Mickey dressed up as a Jedi and Vader dressed up as Goofy and or Goofy dressed up as Vader sorry and uh, Minnie dressed up as Princess Leia they were just in costume it was like they were cosplaying which I thought was yeah but uh, just to give you a side, you know, side story here, you know, as, as a as a band director for high school marching band, I run trips down to Disney with the band, and we always do a um, a private character dinner for mm -hmm. our, you know, it's part of the package. So the gentleman who is running the trip asks me, you know, which characters do you want, and I that to appear, to appear at the character dinner, and I said, well, I didn't think first we, and a typical Disney fashion. But, Hearing myself twice there. Sorry, sorry, that was my fault. Uh, I uh, I had said, well, I don't really care. I mean, you know, I mean, I thought it was just going to be, you know, a standard Mickey, Goofy, and Donald or whatever. Then they said, well, usually it is, but you do have a, you know, you have the right to select one, and they, they'll try to get it for you. And I said, oh, do I? So I said, how about Jedi Mickey? You know, <laughs> and and they said, yeah, I think we can do that. I said, oh, cool. So I asked for Jedi Mickey, Donald as a stormtrooper, and goofy as vader because the kids band know that i'm a star wars fan they thought they, they were kind of unique. cool so you know trips take like 18 months to put together so that was it that was like 18 months ahead of time then 12 mm -hmm. around and i asked the trip guy any word on the characters and he's like not yet they're still they said normally they give me an answer right away but for some reason things are things are weird i'm not they're being really hush hush now this whole thing john happened right during the the, right before the announcement of Disney buying Lucasfilm. Mm. So finally, about two months before the announcement, um, the, the trip coordinator got to me and said, I'm sorry, Will, but they can't, they, can, they can't let those characters go. There's some legal loophole that says that they can't have those characters been in use anymore. They're retiring mm. characters. And I went, oh, that's odd that they're retiring. Fast forward a few months, we find out that Lucasfilm was being bought Disney, Disney, at that point, decided to pull the pull the or put on the brakes when it came to all the Disney characters dressed as Star Wars characters, because they didn't want to and quote unquote mess with the the integrity mm -hmm. of the character or characters. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think I think um, this is also a good time to kind of. Well, any, I don't know if quell is the right idea, but 
there's this there's this also this idea that after Disney bought Lucasfilm, that they were the ones that brought in Kathleen Kennedy to be the head of Lucasfilm. And the truth is she was set up to be that in that position long before Disney bought Lucasfilm. And this idea, I I had someone this t- the other day mentioned something that said that Kathleen Kennedy was just a nobody before uh, Lucas. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, E.T. the extraterrestrial, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. Yeah. Who, yeah. Um, I, I can name Schindler's List. The Every, co-founder of Amblin Entertainment. One of the most prolific. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. I don't want to like any incorrect numbers, but if you were to look at the top 20 grossing movies of all time, her Kathleen name. Kathleen Kennedy, yeah, is attached there somewhere. Yeah. At least, at least like two thirds of them, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's ridiculous beyond all measures. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can. I, yeah. It's just. It's just people. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, people have their. They have I their think opinions. it's. They have her opinion. They have their opinions on the new movies, which we've gone over our opinions. And because she is now the face of Lucasfilm. Now, I think that's the that's the key is she's become sort of the the de facto face of right. the company. So they so now she's the one that gets all of the attention, all negative and positive, because she's the one that's out there. She's kind of the she's basically the Kevin Feige of the of the Star Wars universe now. And in and a I'm, sense. Yeah, and, and on top of it, and, and you know, let's move on. I got more to talk about here, but okay. it, yeah other thing i just want to say and again you know people talk i mean other podcasters other bloggers whatever and you know they have their thoughts sometimes they have resources that say well da, 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 da. i'm sorry but um i really feel and this is my own personal thought and that's all but i really do feel though that you can't uh, you really can't do uh have you have to understand that this person is a Kevin Feige, but I think a lot of what a lot of people get upset at is that she is not a creative in the sense of George Lucas is a creative, mm-hmm. he's a creative in terms of being a creative producer. Yeah. But George Lucas was actually a writer and director and, and you know, was a world builder. Yeah. And I think that they don't, they see her in another light and they don't see her as that. Mm-hmm. But I give her all the credit in the world for the successes that have happened. Um, and when it comes to the failures, if you want to call some things failures, I don't put that necessarily at her feet. Okay. I also think that, you know, people are very fair weather when it comes to her. Like when, you know, no one talks about her being responsible for the Mandalorian. Yes. Mm-hmm. They talk about John Favreau, they talk about Dave Plum, but they don't realize that she was the keeper of the keys and that let that happen. You know, maybe yeah. she thought out those people. So that's all. But um, yeah, so, <laughs> but anyway, so going on, yeah, so with the whole um, purchase of Lucasfilm, the floodgates were open, um, you know, and, and it became very evident that we were in a, uh, in a, going to be a whole different world. And I've mentioned this, folks, in, on, the, on the podcast in the past. But another thing to bring up is right before um, the purchase of Lucasfilm, 
when it came to what what was going on with Star Wars, there wasn't much. I mean, there was Clone Wars. Okay, that was definitely a very popular thing for many people. But there were no movies on the horizon. There was nothing. You had Star Wars Angry Birds crossovers. You had uh, Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars Lego. There was a lot of product being released. But there really wasn't anything substantial when it came to you know, media releases of anything aside from books. So it was a prime time to make this happen. And um, there's been, a, you know, there's lots of talk about, you know, the, the debate or not debate, but the negotiation between George Lucas and Bob Iger as to how much it should cost and what should happen. Um, and, and, but that's, that's, a, that's really a, if you want to read Bob Iger's autobiography, to get some more insight about that. But now we move on. It's now a post Disney purchase world. Okay. You know, meaning around, you know, we knew this was happening in 2012 and it's yeah. So we know that there's three more movies at least coming with other movies in between, like non related to the star Wars. Side. So now we have, um, some things going on in We have a thing called seasons of the force. Bent taking place. I, I think it kind of took the place of um, Star Wars Weekends. They made Star Wars kind of have a permanent presence in Disney's Hollywood Studios along with Disneyland. And and I know it happened in other parks, folks, like in Tokyo and other places, but um, I'm, I'm speaking mainly of this country. Um, it'd be kind of a temporary home for all things Star Wars. They had a thing called Star Wars Launch Bay, which had a lot of props from the movies. Sometimes they were made up props, meaning they were reproductions, but they were really cool to see in there. They had character meetups. They had artwork on display, and then they would rotate things out, in and out. Um, in fact, Seasons of the Force, I had a former who was an Imagineer, and worked on that. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and then that was kind of a placeholder, you know, for them to get Galaxy's Edge going. And then they made the announcement of Galaxy's Edge. Um, they made it in uh, 2015 mm-hmm. during Celebration. Uh, or was was it Celebration? No, it might have been, been D23. might have been the D23 Expo. And it was a pretty big deal because, you know, Bob Iger gets up there. He shows some of the artwork. It looks incredible. And then he says, we're not just building one of these, we're building two. And which just went like everybody's mind, collective mind went crazy because for Disney aficionados, for those that are really, for Disney fans, you have West Coast Disney fans and East Coast Disney fans. West Coast Disney fans have Disneyland, East Coast have Disney World. Disneyland is much smaller, but it's very packed and it's got a lot going on there. And it's the original park. Um, Disney World actually is the more bigger, almost basically city-sized area with four theme parks, two water parks, everything. So it was pretty much a given that they were going to build Galaxy's Edge there. But they weren't sure if they were going to build it in Disneyland, and Bob Iger announces that, that they are. And and sure enough, you know, they built, they, they, they started working on this, and the, the story about it and what's going to happen with it and everything was pretty incredible. But they weren't done with other events. Um, they had a thing called Galactic Nights uh, in tw- on twenty, starting in twenty seventeen. They were hard ticketed events that took place whenever Star Wars Celebration took place in um, either Anaheim or 
Orlando, they would correspond with these galactic nights, which were, you know, just lots of cool Star Wars fireworks, cool Star Wars food and merchandise, characters there. And they would repeat it a few times. It was it was really cool. It was it was a neat event. And they started eventually doing galactic um, spectacular fireworks show beginning in 2016 in front of the Chinese theater in Hollywood studios, which was incredible. Uh, and they would, and every time a new movie would come out, they would incorporate that into it. And they would do this show, live show called galaxy far, far away. It was kind of a character showcase when all the characters would come out. And another great event that they did, which was one of our favorites. And it was such a simple thing. And this happened once the movie started coming out, they did the March of the first order. And what happened here was about seven, eight times a day in Hollywood studios. You'd hear this incredible John Williams-esque. It was John Williams. It was based on a John Williams theme, but another composer kind of worked with it and tooled it into basically a first order march. And about 10 to 12 first order stormtroopers led by Captain Phasma from Force Awakens and Last Jedi would march them down the the main street of Hollywood Boulevard and they would stop and they would turn and they would kind of go into the crowd and get right into guest faces. It was the most scariest, intense, but awesome thing to have happen. My wife once, uh, you know, said she one one time they were coming up. She never wanted to miss it. We would drop what we were doing because you'd hear that music throughout the park and we'd go running up to see them come up. And they had cameras on them, too, so you could see them on big screens over by the Chinese. You could see it. And she one time, she, we, we just bought some Mickey ice cream bars, and we were running up to doing this. And she said, I never had, so I was never so stressed out eating a Mickey bar. She was just, like, shaking her hand eating because it, it was so intense. And as Captain Phasma was walking there talking, you can hear her talking and stuff. It was an incredible experience. And that, that went until roughly 2018, 2019. I think they stopped it then. So it was just they were they were doing a lot of fun things in the park to keep Star Wars fresh and in the minds of the guests, which was great. But then we got yeah. to talk about Galaxy's Edge. So, yes. Now, Galaxy's Edge opened May of 2019 uh, in Disneyland, and in August of 2019, in um, ooh, hey, you can share stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I can. Yes. Hey, there it is. March of the First Order. Thanks for sharing that. That's not a problem. But do you see what I mean? Can you imagine those guys just walking up your street? Yeah. Music was very like, jump, 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 like very intense. So just, just incredible. And they did a great job of, of, of keeping the, you know, the excitement there. And then, of course, we have, um, well, before we get to Galaxy's Edge, let's not, let's not forget, we got to talk about the movies. Um, mm. There have been a a, set, a release of uh, well, we had Episode Seven, then we had Force Awakens, Rogue One, Star Wars Story in the next year, Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, Solo, a Star Wars Story the following May, Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. So they have five additional movies to add mm. to the the collection of movies, uh, three part of the Skywalker saga and two that were spinoff knockoffs. Stink movies, yeah. Then they, and then, if that wasn't enough, you know, they kept going with the Mandalorian, Clone Wars season seven, Star Wars Resistance, 
and recently the Bad Batch, and now we have on the you know on the on the dock. Yeah. Don't forget Rebels. Rebels came oh. out during the start after the start. The yeah, absolutely, and it was fantastic. Uh, then we have Book of Boba Fett coming, Kenobi, Andor, Visions, Ahsoka, Lando, Rogue Squadron, Acolyte, a Droid Story. Okay, and and although it's shelved temporarily, I heard that the Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, don't forget the um, both uh, uh, Tiko Watiki is ta- there's talk about him doing a Star Wars movie. There's the uh, as yet uh, unnamed, un, un, I don't even know if they have, have any story written of um, the trilogy by what's his name? Uh, Last Jedi. Oh, Ryan Johnson. The Ryan Johnson trilogy. A lot of people like to say that that's gotten shelved, but he keeps. You know, he keeps saying that it's coming, but regardless, they they, they have a t- there's so much coming, and you know, as a as as a fan, I'm both excited and kind of like, oh my god, you know, and as we mentioned before, Star Wars is going to outlive us. You know, this is going, you know, we're not going to be able to live forever, so we're you know, we'll catch whatever we can. And, and and the other cool thing is, you know, now Star Wars is available to a lot of different get. You know, little things like Galaxy of Heroes or Forces of Destiny. And I'll put Resistance in there, too. Star Wars Resistance were really meant for fans like you and I. They were meant for younger children. They were meant for, you know, they were they were definitely seeking out a different audience. But there's stuff that you can enjoy watching them. And there's stuff that you can kind of enjoy by picking them out. So Disney has created so much content, is responsible to working with Lucasfilm, either Lucasfilm proper, Lucasfilm Animation, with all of these different projects that have been ongoing and there is a what they call the lucasfilm story group which they created which is tying all of the stories together um, making it a, a continuous kind of canon that everything kind of relates now there has been some you know a little bit of looseness with that from time to time you know, maybe a comic book over here had one thing happen. Like even the Bad Batch, there were there was a, there was a certain way the way Order sixty six happened that a comic that was recent kind of told it slightly differently. But it's mostly you know it's it's there. It's it's you know the the DNA is there and it's correct. So they've created a lot. They did not rest on their laurels when it came to you know what they were going to do with this brand. So, but the but the biggest, you know, if you're talking Disney parks and Star Wars, you got to talk about the whole Galaxy's Edge. Now, Disney made a bold choice to not give us Hoth, Tatooine, Endor. Everybody go hang out on there. That's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to go in a different direction. What they wanted to, was for you, the guest, to live your own star wars story to create mm. an immersive environment where they've never heard of star wars instead you're in the universe they don't know what star wars is there you you know that that's that's watching it from from a third person you know, looking at it from through a window you're in the story you're creating the story as much of it as you or as little of it love of it as you want and that's the kind of thing that they're doing which is unique. The closest thing you have to that is the Harry Potter um, environments that they created at Universal Studios. And 
I believe one of the Imagineers, I think Scott Kurtrovich, if, if I'm not mistaken, was working for Universal as an engineer that designed and helped build that. So he had a lot of stuff with him that he brought with him to there. I think, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I do think that there was at least one Imagineer, and I think it was him, that worked on the Universal uh, Harry Potter stuff and then came over to to uh, Imagineering, Disney Imagineering to so, so they create. So a lot of people were a little concerned about that. A lot of older fans, like like our age, were a little angry that there wasn't going to be a Luke Skywalker walk around character. There'd be a Chewbacca walk around character, and you'd see Ray and you'd see Kylo Ren and First Order stormtroopers, but you wouldn't see the other ones. So um, that was a risk. And um, I got to tell you, I was just there today. Um, it's August. We're in Florida. It's the the Delta variant is running rampant, so the the crowds are minimal. But it was packed in Galaxy. So anybody that Galaxy's Edge is not successful has not been to Galaxy's Edge. And you know, it's if they're looking at any pictures where it's empty, they're looking at pictures when it's closed. Yeah. It's open, and if there's restaurants, so if the places are open to eat. Places are open to shop, and their place and the rides are open. I can guarantee you, it's pretty darn crowded. So, they built this beautiful land that is sort of a reminiscent of Tatooine in that it's got that that, that sunlight, sun you know, sunburnt uh, desert kind of a uh, environment. Mm-hmm. That and Jakku a little mixed up, but there's a little foresty area. So there's kind of a, a couple of different. Uh, and they have, you know, you just have to look for two seconds and you find all sorts of, you see you're in the world. There are droids. There are gonk power droids. There are, there's an X-Wing over here. There's an A-Wing over there. You walk and you see the Millennium Falcon. There is just, it's like, it's like being on a set 10 times better than being on a set because you're, there's no behind the scenes. It's completely a set. Yeah, and uh, yes, characters walk around. They're a little bit stationary right now, kind of up like on balconies and stuff due to COVID. But it's still a lot of fun. Every product you could buy there is off-world. You can't even buy soda or water without Star Wars themed. The the Coke bottles look like thermal detonators. (laughs) The uh, water bottles just they have Arabesh Dasani. Like this is the Dasani is the company that they that has all the bottled water there. So you have bottles that look like Star Wars that have Arabes Dasani on them. So they took it to that level. Wow. And on top of that, all of the cast members are not from Earth. They're all complete members of either they're Batuians or they're from other planets. They've all created their own stories. And they tell you their stories. And if you ask them, they'll talk to you about it and, and everything. I think some of that element kind of got lost after the shutdown and reopening with COVID because they have so many restrictions. But I think with things opening up now, they're getting back to that. Nice. So, nice. And, and you know, when you go into a, the, a store, you know, there's like, there's a toy store. It's the Toydarian toy maker. <laughs> and again, you walk in and you see all like it, you don't, you don't, you can't buy, you know, Hasbro action figures, but you can buy little wooden toys 
that look like they were hand carved by this toydarian that would that sits in the toys and it's all that kind of stuff and there's little games and you get the bot game I, you know wife and daughter and i were today getting a lesson on how to play sabak actually play sabak you know they showed him you know dealt some hands and it was great that was free you know it didn't cost us anything to learn that so there's sounds everywhere the the sound tips taking off landing and creatures in the woods and you are totally immersed there's no evidence of earth in here other than what you know you could people walk in with like like me an epcot shirt <laughs> you know that's the only evidence and there's a lot of kids a lot of uh, guests dress up full out even though it's like 98 degrees they'll dress in full jedi garb or sith garb you know and, and just walk around like characters and you can build a lightsaber and it's an incredible experience you can build a little droid and that's an incredible experience the food is amazing um, there's a, there's a there's a counter service restaurant where you can go inside like a cargo hold. There's uh, a Ronto Roasters. There's a popcorn stand. It's it's, it's just uh, an absolute. It's the culmination, I think, of these 50 years of Disney and Star Wars kind of having this symbiotic relationship working together. And now it's it's just something that's incredible. So I I, I know I've yapped on a long. Time, but that oh, no, that's fine that's fine you know so it it was you know i i and i'm and i'm personally a huge uh supporter of it i, I i'm sure that there are some negative um there's some negative criticism uh i do think i know one thing that if you look at the concept art they had a lot of droids roaming around like actual physical droids like in the middle of the street but I'll tell you right now, as someone who's built an R2 droid, um, the the droids in real real time in real places, meaning R2 droids, you know, R2 units, kind of hard because you can't walk up to it. Think about the way R2-D2 is built, right? If he was on his three legs, he's got a pretty wide bottom and, and it's smaller at the top. And it kind of comes down and he's got the, the two legs that are stuck out and the one leg, the middle leg that goes out. Little kids are going to want to come up to the droids and talk with them and, you know, take pictures with them. And they're going to step on feet. And that's, that's a problem because they're going to break, the, you know, unless you make those feet of like, you know, wrought iron or something or steel. Yeah. You know, and, and too heavy to move. So I know Disney and the Imagineering is working on trying to come up with some ways for them to do that. But I think that's one of the issues. So one thing that you can see, and it's kind of funny, but the they, they have a lot of carts that have droids that are in the end. It's like they're powering the carts, like the soda carts. And some of them move, or some of them are stationary, but they all have droids that move. You know, the, the, the domes move left and right. They make noise and stuff. So you can they, that's kind of how they tried to solve that problem temporarily by by providing them in the carts. You don't have to buy anything. You just talk to the droids and they'll react. So, and then they have a lot of droids stationary on the side. So I think they're trying and I, and I know that it's, everything's going to be a work in progress, but. Cool. Cool. Let, so one last thing. Okay. Let's talk about the future of. Yes. than Disney. And there's obviously, you know, we've already talked about a lot of movies coming out. The, up until 2012, it was Disney's relation with Star Wars was basically just theme parks. Mm -hmm. But then once they bought 
Lucasfilm. Then it became movies, TV. Of course, there's also Disney Publishing. There's Marvel Comics. That was one thing, too, as for any comic fans out there. Dark Horse owned the rights to the Disney or to the Star Wars name for years. But then Disney bought Marvel years before they bought Star the Lucasfilm. So as soon as they bought Lucasfilm, everybody was like, well, how long is it going to be before Lucasfilm moved the Star Wars name from Dark Horse to Marvel? Or back to Marvel, I should say. And mm. sure enough, it happened. They did it. So. But big thing coming besides movies and TV shows, which is a big deal. But another thing we got to talk about is the Halcyon uh, Galactic Star Cruiser. Or yes. Star Wars Hotel. <laughs> so we talked briefly about this, right? Because we were like, you know, we were talking about sticker shock when it came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, there was no shock to me. There was no sticker shock, really. In fact, I was actually surpri pleasantly surprised at how inexpensive it was compared in my head to what I thought it was going to be. But essentially, for those who don't know, what they're basically doing is very close to Galaxy's Edge and Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando. They are building, or, or just about done building, a Star Wars-themed hotel. It's mm -hmm. anything else that's ever been built. It is going to be a fully immersive experience that ties directly into Galaxy's Edge. There will be a two-day or two-night event that guests will experience. And it is a full out right now. I mean, I'm sure there will be options, but right now, with the way they're de describing it, is you check in in the afternoon on one day, and then you spend the rest of that day, the next full day, and then breakfast the next day. Yep. Thank you. And that, and you are in this full out experience, and you're you're getting you're not going to the hotel. You're going. You're getting dropped off at a spaceport. Where they valet park your car, they take you in, you 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 get assigned here, you get into a, a shuttle, and that shuttle takes you up to the Halcyon, which is in orbit above. Yeah. Obviously, it's really just next door, you know, no means yeah. magic. They did have to put a disclaimer that says you not although you will not be actually going into space, which I could not believe. But they did. They have to say that, but you know, legal being what they yeah. are. So you go into space, and there is a whole thing. We talked about. There was a whole talk about um, what the uh, a sample itinerary would be. Set up very much like a cruise, like a cruise would be. Um, there can be everything from sabak lessons, Jedi training on a lightsaber, and then the story moments that happen to you, and you can be fully immersed into it. You can be more passive and just watch it from a distance and just kind of enjoy it from that way or a little bit of both. They're trying to work the flexibility out. This has never been done before. So yeah. I think it's going to be a work in progress. Um, people have asked, are you going? Are you going to be the first one on the on the thing? Answer is, I am going to go some, at some point. Probably not right away. We're looking at maybe giving it about six months depending on where it when, when it opens. And yeah. hopefully we can even get a get get in. People are like, oh, they're not going to be able to fill it. I said, there are only 100 rooms. Think about yeah. it. They're going to fill. <laughs> so, um, you know, some people think it's too immersive. Some people think they wouldn't want to do it. You know, some people, some parents might take their kids to do it, but the parents will just kind of participate and watch. Yeah. 
that, but I think that I think it's going to be pretty popular at least. I think so. I, you know, they might have to go through some changes. There's going to be a lot of characters walking. Uh, I'm hoping that some of the stuff once it gets going, I hope they use the Halcyon, the the Star Wars Hotel, as a testing ground for things that can eventually find their way into Galaxy's Edge for all those guests. But mm. we'll see. So, and it does include a excursion to Galaxy's Edge to do Rise of the Resistance, to do the Smuggler's Run ride, to eat in the in the park. So it, that that whole Galaxy's Edge experience becomes part of it. So nice, nice, very exciting times to be a Star Wars and Disney fan. Um, I think Disney has what. Let me ask you. I know I've talked a lot. Oh, do you feel like? since the Disney acquisition, or you can even say before everything we've just talked about, do you think that Disney has helped improve the Star Wars brand, or? I think so, too, because, I mean, let's be honest, before Disney bought Lucasfilm, you know, I think people knew about Star Wars, but I think Star Wars had kind of, unless you were a hardcore fan, that really was really into it and read the books and knew everything like that. It, it kind of gone out of the, the, the conscious of, of people, people, it was there. It was just kind of in the background. It was just kind of there. And it was, it was nostalgia. It was something in the past, you know, even though the last movie had only been like 2005, it still, it was something that in the past and, I don't know how many people really felt like, oh, we're, you know, we, we probably won't ever see Star Wars, a new Star Wars movie again. And Disney really brought it to the forefront. Disney brought it out. It was like, Star Wars, it's here. And now, you know, it's like Marvel. It's It seems like it's here to stay yeah. for the long term. So I, yeah. I, I mean, another thing that um, I feel was, I'm pretty sure it didn't happen until post, post Disney acquisition. I don't know if this was a direct result of it but the uh star wars show on youtube you know mm -hmm. or you know just having this you know the star wars channel on youtube became an, an amazingly uh great detailed fun experience um it's backed off a little bit now it's a little it's, it's just because without a brand new movie coming out i think it's just they they, they talk about you know when the new shows come up and they and they talk briefly about it but for a while there, for a good 10 years, uh, close to that, they have had um, live streaming of Celebration that was not just for like a few minutes here and there. You couldn't make it to Celebration. You could watch, um, I remember the, the hosts are Andy Gutierrez and uh, Anthony Carboni, and the two of them would host this amazing eight-hour event mm. for Day and then another eight hours and another eight hours and and they just they just bringing on and it wasn't like you know they weren't interviewing like some extra from the movie they interviewed J.J. Abrams they interviewed Daisy Ridley they interviewed Carrie Fisher I mean it was everybody who was involved in the show and it was amazing and they've done it for every movie and every yeah. they've had a, every movie they had a world premiere red carpet real cool event it just made you feel that. They had the with the Disney pocketbook backing, they had more money, they were able to do more and just make the fans feel 
like they were connected. Mm -hmm. And I was just really excited about that and really happy to see that come come about and, and, and have, you know, that kind of thing. So, no, I think Disney has done far, far more good to the brand than any kind of thing that you could call it. So I, I hope I gave you a, a, a... You did. You That was that was fun. Uh, well, as we wrap things up, uh, as we always do, Will, why don't you tell the people out there where they can find you at? Okay, well, as people should know or don't, maybe or may, 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 may or not know, I do run a YouTube channel called Darth Tuba's Star Wars Unboxing Show. So you can look me up at, at Darth Tuba. Uh, on there, also Darth Tuba on Instagram and Twitter, and you can also email me DarthTuba77 at gmail.com or check me out on my Facebook page, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page. All right, as for us, you can email us at War of the Stars at Gmail War of the Stars One. I have that wrong on the little thing down there. War of the Star uh, One. Uh, that is also our Twitter handle at War of the Stars One. You can check us out there. We also have the Facebook group uh, War of the Stars, which will uh, this show. If you check us out, normally we uh, record on Wednesdays. Yes. Uh, thank yes. You. Yeah. No. No problem. By the way, happy birthday. Oh yeah. Uh, um, but we usually record on Wednesdays at eight thirty Central Standard Time. Uh, and with this new, now that we're using StreamYard, this allows us to live stream directly there. Um, so you can check us out there uh, every Wednesday night at 8.30 Central Standard Time, barring any emergencies or anything happening like that. Uh, if you want to support the show, first of all, there is the link to our uh, War of the Stars uh, merch store, uh, Spreadshirt.com forward slash shop forward slash war of the stars. Check us out there. We got some cool merch there. And of course we have our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash war of the stars. And you can also hear us. If you can't catch us live, you can catch us wherever fine podcasts are heard. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher radio, Apple podcast, you name it. Pretty much we are there. Uh, join us next week as we are going to be looking at. Now, I know you mentioned that talking about the Bad Batch. I think we just talk about the Star Wars animation in general, just all all of the cartoons from the you know, and just talk Star Wars animation in general. So, join us next week as we talk Star Wars cartoons. Awesome. Until next time, remember this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. May the Force be with you. Till the spires. <laughs>